please be seated. Friends, before I read our scripture this morning, I want to wonder aloud with you, have you ever had an unfortunate conflict in a relationship that started because of a misunderstanding because you couldn't hear someone's tone through email or text? I think this has probably happened to all of us. When I come to our scripture for this morning, I am reminded that for generations, people told these stories orally, probably around campfires, and they conveyed the tone of the way in which these words were spoken, and I'm sure that they were passed down faithfully from generation to generation, person to person. And then at some point, they became written down, and we no longer have a sense of how it is that we can read these scriptures. And why does this matter? Well, I think it matters a lot when we're speaking words that come from God. And when we come to the page, we are the director. We bring our imagination to it. And how is it that we would have God speaking these words? Some of these words, the very last line of this scripture, I remember so clearly the first time I heard them. I was a young teenager. I don't think I had ever read them yet on the page, but I remember how the pastor spoke the words from the pulpit, and it has always colored the way I come to this text. Now, you could hear God's voice booming in anger, and imagine if you were the director that you would have thunder and lightning, but no, the way I heard this story, God's voice sounded full of joy and delight and witty, humorous banter. It set the tone for a relationship throughout this story that is still so important to me. The last line is, oh yes, you did laugh. And I want to invite you to open your hearts and minds as we read this text together and think of the many different ways that we could hear this said. So friends, let us listen for how the Spirit is speaking to the church through this story which comes from Genesis in the 18th chapter. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat there at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them and as he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Friends, I want to pause here and reflect on this extravagant hospitality that Abraham is showing these. Do you know the, the line in scripture? to welcome strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels unawares. This is 
the Lord God showing up, only appearing as three human beings, but this is God's own self. Did you catch the first line, the Lord appeared, but what Abraham saw is three people? And Abraham downplays his own hospitality, offering just a little water and a morsel of bread, but then gets his household ready to prepare a feast of cakes and slaughters the fatted calf and brings out curds and milk. This is a feast of delights. And then I imagine him, although it's completely the wrong context, of course, as he stands by, by them while they eat, I sort of imagine, if I'm the director of this, something like a Downton Abbey scene with Carson the butler standing at attention to preside over this feast. So the story goes on. They said to him, but of course this they we know is God. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And now I imagine, too, if I'm the director, this is something like a telenovela, when people are always hearing something just out of earshot that wasn't meant for them. Can you imagine this? But of course, we know that God knows that Sarah is overhearing. God knew just as soon as God appeared on the scene that Sarah was the one he was looking for. And the message is, of course, for her. So the Lord has said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. He said, oh yes, you did laugh. I love that the story in this lectionary cycle falls for us on Father's Day. I love that it helps us to remember that Abraham did in fact become the father of many, many people. God had promised Abraham you will have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And we also remember that all of our Jewish and Muslim siblings both trace their spiritual lineage back to Father Abraham. We are one large family. Father Abraham did, in fact, have many kids. And part of the covenant that God made with Father Abraham, that it would be through him that the whole world would be blessed. Now, I love this story. It is full of beauty about hospitality and a relationship with God. But I have to back up a little bit and acknowledge that this is a very complicated family. If we're going to continue with our dramas, it seems to me that everybody is talking about a show which sounds quite disturbing, Succession. Well, that could describe the family of Abraham. Who does his line flow through? Hagar and Ishmael, or eventually Sarah and Isaac? These are families that hurt each other in every imaginable way a family not to be envied or emulated at all as they backstab and humiliate and demean one another as they vie for power and control. 
These are our spiritual ancestors, but they are not recorded in scripture because they are good. It sometimes disturbs me when we hand Bibles to small children, knowing some of the things that they might encounter in these pages, especially as they read about this story. No, they are not remembered because they are good, but because they are, in fact, our spiritual ancestors. They are remembered because God was with them. God was with them through the hardest things that they went through. So you all know that I'm not going to give you the interpretation of this text that you've heard before, but I think I will name it for you today. This is the first thing that comes up if you do an internet search, so you know it's true, about what this story means. This is what it says. What does the story of Sarah teach us? The barrenness of Sarah stands in tension with the central theme of the Abraham saga, the promise that God will make him the founder of a mighty nation. With respect to the fulfillment of the promise, Sarah embodies the themes of fear and doubt, while Abraham, those of faith and hope. What do we think, friends? Shall we throw that out? Here is another suggestion, which I love, which comes from not specifically about this passage, but I think it's related very well. So um, from the On Being podcast, where Krista Tippett interviewed Irish poet David White, who said, the ability to ask beautiful questions, often in very unbeautiful moments, which I would say Sarah is surely doing in the story, is one of the greatest disciplines of a human life and a beautiful question starts to shape your identity as much by asking it as it does by having it answered. Don't you think that Sarah's amazement, her wonderment, her awe at what it is that God has promised her could be a model for us as well? The same way we talk about Mary's yes to God and how Mary responded to that good news. Awe and wonder at this magnificent promise, I think, is not something we should hear as fear and doubt. I think it's true that our relationship with God can include humor and banter. I see a God in this story who responds with joy and delight at human foibles and absurdities and oddities and quirks. I trust that God would welcome us listening, eavesdropping in like Sarah, eavesdropping on God's plans and laughing at them, and that God can banter right back, entertained with us and in on the joke. I think that God knew that Sarah was outside all along and was speaking knowing that she would hear. And her reaction of laughter, friends, are you the kind of person who sometimes laughs in absolutely the wrong circumstance? Or do you have any friends who do? Laughter can come from so many different emotions and I think most often comes from pure surprise, but can also come when so many emotions are bubbling up all at once that the only thing we can figure out to do as human beings is just laugh. It's sort of like a little pressure valve. So this is from the Still Speaking Daily Devotional. 
Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann writes, laughter is a biblical way of receiving a newness which cannot be explained. The newness is sheer gift, underived, unwarranted. That laugh of Sarah's was not her last laugh. She did conceive and she named her child Isaac, which means laughter. Can you imagine? Every time Abraham and Sarah called him in for dinner, they called laughter. Every time they scolded him, they said, laughter, stop that. Every time they tucked him in at night, they said, good night, laughter. Every day, several times a day, they were reminded of holy, unwarranted, inexplicable grace. I suspect it kept them grinning from sun up to sun down. I hope the same is true for you today. It is not about childbearing. It is about newness as sheer gift. Again, that was from the United Church of Christ, still speaking daily devotional. I want to pause here, though, and set Sarah's laughter and all of the complexity of her emotion in this long period of suffering, which she is emerging from when she hears this good news. This was the thing that she longed for most. We know that her social situation was one where she would have been completely devalued as a woman who did not have children. We do have to acknowledge there must have been some pain in being shut out of the tent, listening to others talk about her life. And the ultimate cruelty, of course, would have been for God to make this promise to Abraham and Sarah if it were not going to happen. The feeling of dashed hope is so, so painful. And this brings me to our epistle reading for today. This is what Paul has written in his letter to the Romans. And for us, especially as a Reformed tradition, this is one of the passages that is one that we read the rest of the Bible through. This is one that can be something of a thesis statement for how we understand what it is to be a people of faith. So let us listen together from these words from the Apostle Paul. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We do not glorify suffering in our tradition, and we do not talk about suffering for suffering's sake. But I think for each and every one of us, we can look back at times in our life that have been particularly hard. And we can see how it is that we grew as we overcame the things that we went through. And hopefully as we look back, we can see just how closely God was walking with us through that time. So we don't suffer for its own sake, but we can look back and acknowledge that, yes, in our suffering, we became people who can persevere. And through that perseverance, we did develop character. 
and through developing our character, we learned how to hope. And with that hope, we have found that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this is an ongoing circle, an ongoing process that throughout our life we might be in different places in this process of suffering to perseverance, perseverance to character, and character to hope, and in hope realizing that we have God's love poured out in us. So Sarah and Abraham suffered, and they persevered, they developed character, and they hoped, and eventually their dearest hopes came to fruition, and they knew and understood God's love for them. Where are you in this process right now? And if you are suffering, can you look back at other times you have been through so much, and can you trust that you will continue to grow and persevere and develop character and arrive at hope eventually? If it does not feel like you have yet, hold on to that hope that this is God's promise for you, that you will grow. And friends, when it is hard, trust in God's patience, trust in God's sense of humor, trust in God's presence with you, trust that you can have a strong relationship like Sarah did with God. May you, may we all laugh with Sarah as we wait for the fruit of God's promise. Why did you laugh? I did not laugh. Oh yes, you did laugh. <laughs>